Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Speaking of incredible, we welcome into the studio right now Pete Sweeney. He is the editor-in-chief, the plaid prince over at Arrowhead Pride. Pete, before you say anything, explain to me Uh why you have the Kansas City Chiefs going (laughs) 16-0. We looked this up last week. They have been playing 16 regular season games Mm -hmm. since 1978. Only one team has gone undefeated in the regular season. You've seen enough from training camp <laughs> and St. Joe and mini camp and preseason games to predict the Chiefs to be the second team to do that. I just don't know how anyone is going to stop this offense. I just don't. Uh, I, I look at it. I, I, I don't know why Andy Reid would ever not go for it on fourth down. That's how confident I feel. It's an all-star team. It's a dream team and not the type of dream team the Eagles formed years ago. We're talking about 20-somethings that are all at their top of the game. A lot of them are still improving. Uh, you look at Sammy Watkins, I think he's 25. Tyreek Hill's 24. Pat Mahomes, 23. Travis Kelsey's a little older, but we've seen in the National Football League, you can you can succeed in your early 30s as a tight end. I think he still has it in him. Uh, you bring in McCole Hardman. Now LaShawn McCoy is going to be trying to turn back the clock. If he doesn't, Damian Williams has looked pretty good. I just don't know how you stop this offense, and, and I get there are concerns about the defense, but I feel like it'll be improved based upon some of the players you brought in uh, and this 4-3 scheme change. And, and again, you're not having to hold opposing teams to less than 10 points. If you hold them to 24 or below, you probably win every game. I said this yesterday. I'm curious what you think. I think the offense heading into week one at Jacksonville is better than the offense was week one heading into Los Angeles. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, yeah, and, and and it's because I think first and foremost, your quarterback has had a year of experience. You didn't know going into week one last year what you were getting out of Patrick Mahomes. That's a huge deal. Now you know he's the MVP of the National Football League, and all indications say, and I, I understand there's coach speak that goes into it, but he has improved um, You know, this past offseason, and I think you saw that uh, a little bit in training camp and some of the preseason games. I don't think 16-0 is crazy, Pete. I think it's a little bit silly. How can you be so sure, though, they're not going to find themselves in a situation last year where the offense scored 40, held the offense, played a game, they scored 50, and lost? I just am very confident in in, in the pass rush ability in this, in this passing league of Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I mean, these two guys are two of the elite pass rushers in the National Football League, and I get... You have something to be concerned about in your, with your cornerbacks and, and, and your secondary. But with those guys in your face, and if you can get yourself into some third-down situations, like I'm not as worried about the defense as a whole. Granted, don't get me wrong. I mean, you look at the cornerbacks with Rashad Fenton backing up each cornerback position. There's things to be worried about. But I think your elite pass rushing and Matthew back there making players better uh, will make up for that. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. You talk about corner. I've talked a lot about it. Let me get your opinion. Yeah. Now that we've got through the entire offseason, we got through the preseason, and we are heading into week one, do you feel better, worse, or the same about the cornerback group that you did heading into St. Joe? I'd say a little worse. I'd say a little worse. I, 
I thought that they would have at least one of these guys that would prove themselves enough to be on the team, you know, and I'm not necessarily writing home going into training camp about Demontre Wade or Herb Miller or Mark Fields, but you just thought one of them would stick. And the fact that Rashad Fenton is the only one who did, and, and really he's just a backup to Kendall Fuller, even though he's listed at each spot. And you're in a position right now where if one of your outside cornerbacks go down, you you know you either kick out Kendall Fuller or you go into the reserves where you're having a safety move over. And I don't know if you want necessarily guys playing out of position, but again, that being said, so say you get someone injured in the second quarter, it might already be 24-10. And, and so what? I mean, you, you deal with it and you figure it out in, in, in the next week. I would say slightly better. I like the addition of Mo Claiborne. I think they're going to have Juan Thornhill play a little corner and Tyra Matthew play a little bit of corner. And I think their plan is very similar to it was last year. We're going to score 41 points and we're, and we're daring you to go out and score 42 points. We're just going to guess that over time, over the full 60 minutes, you just can't keep up with our offense. 100%. So, so we can live with having this deficiency. And basically, they're basically asking this defense to hold on for the first four weeks until they get Mo Claiborne back week five. I don't feel good about their corners by any stretch. I don't know how you feel good about their corners, but it's clear that right now their situation at cornerback is just a first is a first month of the season problem. Right. And, and you know, I think people have made the point too. Mo Claiborne won't necessarily be ready. Week five. Well, you know, that being said, if he's just coming back to the team, he might be better at that point than Charvarius Ward. I don't think that uh, is decided yet, even even if he need, even if he's a little rusty and needs to get back in and needs that Colts game now without Andrew Luck to sort of get back into NFL shape if need be. I just think this offense is going to be so good. It's going to mask a lot of these defensive problems. Personally, how excited are you to see this defense? I was saying yesterday, obviously, the guy I'm most excited to see is Pat. The second has to be Frank Clark and this entire defense just because of the unknown commodity. How excited are you to see the guys on that side of the ball? I'm not excited to see this defense as a whole. I think certainly, as you noted, individual players like I, I can't wait to see the honey badger on a safety blitz. Like, I think that's going to be incredible. Frank Clark dominating people. Can Chris Jones keep it up? Is he going to freelance as much uh, again, knowing that this is a contract year? Uh, but the be- the Chiefs' best part of their defense is going to be the-, the offense just rolling over the other team and making them one-dimensional. And so if you know they're passing every time because they're already down 14 points, I think that's where the defense is going to succeed. If you had to rank pressure heading into this season, would you say it's on Pat to replicate what he did mm-hmm. last season? Would you say it's on Spagnola to get this defense where we all assume it needs to be for them to go to the Super Bowl? Would you put it on Andy Reid to go to the second Super Bowl of his career, or would you put the pressure on Veach for him to go find a corner if things go south? I think the pressure right here goes, one, Andy Reid, because there's no more excuses. Uh, two, Brett Veach, because he's made a lot of bold moves. Keeping four cornerbacks out of the gate, that's a that's a rather bold move. We're not considering Tremont Smith any position except special teams, I think, to start. Uh, so that's a pretty bold move. So let's see how that works out because you could have kept another cornerback or made a move for it and you didn't. If that cost you a game, that's Brett Veach's fault. Spagnolo, uh, because then you, you know you were the one that was brought in to fix this problem. A lot of Chiefs and a lot of people in Kansas City think you know, the only reason that the Chiefs didn't win a Super Bowl last year was because of this defense, and you've been brought in to fix that. And then Patrick Mahomes, to me, he has no pressure on himself. I mean, this is a darling. You've seen people around here in Kansas City. You see the way people talk about him. Uh, again, people want him to get it done this year, but if he doesn't, I don't think anyone's showing him the door. You know, And so that's a lack of pressure completely. So I think those top three, especially Andy Reid, because to me, and he's way above Veach and Spags for me because – 
The excuses are gone. There's no more excuse for Andy Reid as far as why he can't win a Super Bowl. He's got his GM. He's got his defensive coordinator. They've brought in defensive pieces that the defensive coordinator likes. He has another piece on offense. He has his little running back who's a two-time All-Pro. The excuses are gone. If you don't get it done, there's something wrong with you. That's kind of the point that I've been making this offseason. Like, offensively, I mean, this is your team. This is your quarterback. You have you, Now you have your former running back that knows the system. you got the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Knock on wood if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy. Best tight end in the NFL, a, a solidified offensive line here. Like you can't ask for more toys if you're Andy Reid than you have now. I think we all agree this offense has a chance to put up once again historic numbers. If this team falls short, that's gonna lie firmly at the feet of Andy Reid. Yeah, and and I think the key for Reid, and he's pretty good about this, is even in the past when it was Alex Smith there and it was a little bit different and people still had high expectations to the team. He made it a very day-to-day thing, so I think he's going to lock in and try to win the day, and that's how you're going to go about it day-by-day to get this thing done because you can't be looking to Miami in February. You have to take it day-by-day, and that's one good thing that Andy Reid's always able to do is to lock these guys in, hey, get better today, and that'll translate to what I believe might be 16-0. I feel a little bit less confident about that now that I have Matt Moore maybe playing those last two games instead of Chad Henney, but again, I think it's going to be a very fun year for Kansas City. Obviously, you're very confident about the Chiefs. Aside from New England, what other team in the AFC worries you? The Cleveland Browns are real, I think. I think people are writing off Indianapolis a little too soon, and I really do like Pittsburgh because I think they were pretty good last year, and you take Antonio Brown out of that mix. If you think that Juju Smith-Schuster is that caliber, which I think he might be, then they're really not much different. It might actually be better you know, in some in some ways, it's it's addition by subtraction. So I think they'll they'll be in the mix as well. Um, again, with the Colts, I think just too many people are writing off Jacoby Brissett. Your thoughts on the most recent move the Chiefs made by getting LaShawn McCord? Do you like the move? Do you think they overpaid him? And do you think there's a chance he becomes a starter for this football team? Yeah, I tweeted it out yesterday. I think that by the end of this year, LaShawn McCoy will be the running back in this on the stat sheet with the most touches. I think he'll lead the lead the Chiefs in touches by the end of this year. And you watched some of that tape last year. That was a bad offensive line, and he talked about it a little bit the other day. Now you not only have a better offensive line, one that has played together, especially on the right side of it, but you have all these crazy receivers. You know, some people have been calling it the Legion of Zoom, if you want to use that or not. They're very fast, and they're going to open things up for LaShawn McCoy. And we've seen running backs succeed even past 30. And so, again, like it, for McCoy, like last year, he had an excuse built in. There's no excuse not to succeed in this offense. And I think McCoy has the one thing, the one thing I'd say that he might have over Damian Williams is just a vision. I just think he has that Le'Veon Bell a type of vision where maybe he can see the field a little bit better uh, than the rest of his class. I don't know. I heard your conversation yesterday. I don't know if he's necessarily a Hall of Famer, but just that Hall of Fame caliber vision, that's something he brings to the table that the other two backs at this stage don't. We don't really know about Darwin quite yet. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Right now we're talking to Pete Sweeney. He is the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride. If you've got a question, go ahead and text it in. Text line 69306. I want to continue this conversation about LaShawn McCoy on the other side, and we'll take a look ahead to week one, the season opener against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here talking to Arrowhead Pride, it's The Drive. The Drive. 
weekdays 2 to 6. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we will go inside the mind of the machine. But we're very happy right now to be joined in studio by Pete Sweeney. He is the Plaid Prince. He is the editor-in-chief over at Arrowhead Pride. If you got a question for Pete, go ahead and text it in. Text line 69306. We'll try to get some rapid-fire questions with Pete coming up in just a little bit. So we talked a little bit about LaShawn McCoy. What do you think Damian Williams' role on this team? Do you think it's a 1A, 1B situation, or do you think he's a distant number two in the running game? I tend to think that Damian Williams has this week and maybe next week to really show you why he shouldn't, there shouldn't be a thought that he should be replaced. And if he shows out and and really plays well, then I think he keeps that job. But if you get to week three, and their team feels like maybe a shakeup is necessary in that in that department. I think LaShawn McCoy is your lead back. And it is a 1A, 1B type of deal where you have McCoy starting the game. Um, and if he kind of can't get things going, maybe you see what Damian Williams has. Um, and then you have Andy Reid. Uh, so you, can, you can't ever rule him out where maybe you have three wide receivers on at the same time and, and you have both running backs on. The, the wild thing, I think, going into the season now is you have three really good uh, really fast wide receivers. I'm talking about, uh, of course, Hill, Watkins, and uh, the rookie, McCole Hardman. And Robinson, again, has, supposedly has this grand rapport with Mahomes. You have Kelsey, and then you have these running backs. A- and just the amount of different things Andy Reid can do, and this is supposed to be one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the NFL, I just don't know how teams are going to be able to keep up. What do you think the role is for Darwin Thompson? Darwin Thompson is hurt, I think, by the McCoy um, signing. I, I just don't see his role as significant as it was probably lined up to be heading into this year now that McCoy's on on board. I'd wonder if maybe the Chiefs try to mix him in in a return game and, and so on and so forth. Uh, to, again, just finding a role. I, I think he'll get some snaps, but just not nearly as many as he would have got if McCoy wasn't brought on board. Right now, we're talking to Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief over at Arrowhead Pride. We'll get to your questions coming up in a little bit. What do you make of Jacksonville kind of looking ahead to week one a little bit? I thought Jacksonville played the Chiefs fairly tough. That game was in Arrowhead. I don't think that Jacksonville's defense was that bad against the Chiefs. Just Blake Bortles was so terrible in that game that just didn't give Jacksonville a chance. And I think that they really unraveled after that game. What do you make of Jacksonville's defense? Do you still hold them on that elite level the way you did two seasons ago when they went to the AFC Championship game? And what's your kind of early prognostication for this one? Well, that's interesting because we're at the press conference today and James Palmer of NFL Network, he even noted last year the only game where Mahomes didn't throw for a touchdown, I believe is what he said, was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And after that game, the Jaguars kind of fell apart. Everyone kind of joked on Twitter, and this is something a lot of people go to often when you're getting all the mentions for Arrowhead Pride, is that the Chiefs were starting to break teams. They did against the Jaguars and then the Bengals. I need to see that dominance again. I think the Jaguars have the personnel to get back there. But until you see a confident bunch, um, once again, it's hard for me to think that they're going to be the same as they were two years ago when they went to the AFC title game uh, against the New England Patriots. But for them, if you're looking from this from a Jacksonville standpoint, what better test, right? It's the team that even nationally people can't stop talking about. It's the must-watch team. If you can go in and and defend against the Kansas City Chiefs, then you got to feel pretty good about your defense truly being back. How do you think the Nick Foles experiment works out for the Jaguars? 
I think Foles certainly gives you a better chance to win uh, than Blake Bortles uh, in the most obvious statement possible. I don't know if he can necessarily do the same thing that he did in Philadelphia. It's all about, really, I think, a coaching standpoint. He's got a familiar offensive coordinator that I think he works really well with. Uh, I'd like to see him do well. I kind of feel like Andy Reid today when he was talking about it. Like Andy Reid says he wants him to do well. He's not going to be pulling for him in this game. But I think you'd like to see Foles, after being able to do it in Philly, you know, in that magical run, do it somewhere else where he has to truly be the guy. I think this is the thing you look for in all of these marginal quarterbacks. I don't know what to make of Nick Foles. He really has only had one super productive season. That first year with Chip Kelly, 27 touchdown passes, two interceptions. Since then, he's just been a game manager, serviceable quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. And I it's, think it's Alex Smith like, like he finds ways to win, which is what you want. Bottom line, like you don't want your quarterback to be the reason you lose. And I think that's you know the the floor for Nick Foles. Now, can he be great and will them in a few games to winning? That was always the question we had about Alex Smith in Kansas City. That guy just doesn't scare me. Now, maybe the maybe the purpose for Nick Foles isn't to scare you, and it's just last year they were so bad and they were below average at the position that now if they can get average at the position or maybe slightly above average, Jacksonville could win nine or ten games this season. Like, just Nick Foles, based on what we've seen, he just doesn't do a whole lot to really scare me, and I wonder how much it was Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly early scheme, and how much of it is Nick Foles' true ability. I always go back to the fact that he won the Super Bowl, and what comes to mind is that Philly special, Pete, and <laughs> he points out that yeah. he had a season before that where he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Like, maybe this guy's found the right situation going forward. Yeah, it's efficiency, and Jacksonville, to me, reminds me of the opposite Chiefs, right? So... You have this defensive pedigree, and you just need to offense to sort of meet you there. I think Jacksonville, the Tom Coughlin Jaguars, they feel like they could get back there defensively. Can the offense just do enough so that they can have a winning record and perform well in the playoffs? I think that's the question that they have, and that I think that's what they're driving themselves on is, okay, we can get this defense back. Now can the offense do it? What do you think the biggest key in this game is as we look ahead? I think to me, until like we were sort of alluding to earlier with Mo Claiborne being back, I think the Chiefs just have to get on and, and every time you touch the ball in the first quarter, score some amount of points. So you can get 14, 17, 21 points up. I think that's going to be the key in these four weeks is build such a lead where your deficiencies don't matter as much. And then maybe Mo Claiborne gets back in the mix and you feel a lot better about that cornerback room. We got a couple of questions on the text line. Text line 69306. Who will get more touches this year, Demarcus Robinson or McCole Hardman? I think definitely Demarcus Robinson at the beginning of the year. But by the end, I would say McCole Hardman because I think he offers a little bit more. And I feel like he's a little bit further along than, say, Tyreek Hill was in 2016, where you were sort of waiting on him to build enough offensively to go to him to consistently. I think that happens sooner rather than later for Hardman. What's your final prediction on Patrick Mahomes' final numbers? For me, I think it's it's similar to last year, except he doesn't get to 50 touchdowns, and he may not get over 5,000 yards. I just think there's going to be less opportunity because the Chiefs are going to have so many games in hand because of the success of the defense that – maybe they can give it to Shady to get those tough yards as opposed to airing it out and getting into a shootout like they did with Week 6 with New England or the Monday Night Football game with the Los Angeles Rams. But I think he's right back in the MVP mix. He may even be more efficient than last year, but that doesn't necessarily mean these statistics will translate. Last question here from the text line. It's a really good one. Which defense in the AFC do you think has the best chance of holding the Chiefs under 24? The best defense in the AFC. I... I'd probably go back to just the New England Patriots. 
Um, and less really, I think, about the personnel and more what Bill Belichick was able to do uh, as far as equalizing Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in the AFC title game. If there's anyone, and they play late in the year this year, if there's anyone in the league who can watch the Chiefs film and what they've done throughout the year and try to figure out how to make sure to keep them uh, below a certain point line, it's Bill Belichick. I don't think there's any team in the NFL aside from the Chiefs that can hold the Chiefs under 24 points. The only way they score less than 24 points on a game is if they implode. Like Mahomes has three interceptions, a couple of fumbles, turnovers. I just don't know if defensively in 2019 you can do everything necessary to hold the Chiefs to to, to 21 points. Maybe you can beat them 31-28. I don't know if you're beating this team 24-20. Oh, I agree. I, 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 and then you asked me the the team that has the best chance. I mean, I don't even know if New England can do it. I think you're looking at NFL Street this year. I mean, this team is going to score at will. And 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 like I look at Jacksonville, and I heard you guys talking about bets a little bit earlier. The Jacksonville line right now is four. The Chiefs are only favored by four points. That's ridiculous. The Chiefs are going to blow out the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're going to blow out a lot of teams early, and you're going to be seeing some wild lines, I think, by week five or week six. Sharp bettors are on the opposite side of you. Yeah, well. Smart bettors are on Pete's side. I've I, already made the bet. I drove up to St. Joe every day. I had back sweat every day. I watched this team, and I get training camp isn't the real thing, but I just don't know how you hold this team to four downs. That is our guy, Pete Sweeney. He is the Plaid Prince. He is the editor-in-chief over at Arrowhead Pride. For all your Chiefs information, go on arrowheadpride.com. It is the best Chiefs website on all the internet. Thanks a lot, Pete. Yeah, and for everyone out there, I'm going to win the Survivor League, so you know what to do. Absolutely not. He's not winning the Survivor League. Go on 610sports.com. Don't pick Pete. Don't pick BK. Don't pick Sean. Pick Carrington, and I will try to win you $250 uh, gift card courtesy of Visa. All you got to do is go on 610sports.com. You got between now and Thursday to do so. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva.